Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today we're discussing Ukraine, which has just elected a new president, Volodymyr Zelensky, who rose to power by an unorthodox but very modern route. He acted the role of president in a TV drama. So what now for a country that's been at war with Russia? Joining us on the line from Kiev is our correspondent, Romana Leachuk, and here in the studio is Europe editor Ben Hall. Roman, first of all, the new president seems, by conventional standards, to be completely unprepared for the role that he has to take on. But he got a very strong mandate. How prepared or unprepared do you think he actually is? Um, as you said, his sole um, experience as president has been as a fictional president in a TV series. So his experience is very thin. And in some of his first interviews after announcing his candidacy, Mr. Zelensky got a lot of facts very wrong. He, for example, described IMF lending as very expensive when it is some of the least expensive financing for Ukraine. However, he has in the past months before being elected during the election campaign surrounded himself with a group of reformist former government officials that had falling outs with the outgoing president, Mr. Poroshenko, and they have very good reputations with Ukraine's Western backers. They led some of the most successful reform efforts under the Poroshenko presidency. So the feeling is from diplomats in Kiev that the will of the people has to be respected and that this new president, although he's inexperienced, if a team of advisors around him that have strong experience can steer him in the right direction, some of his showmanship and talent can be used to benefit Ukraine domestically in politics and internationally. I mean, I suppose one shouldn't be too judgmental about Ukraine because some pretty odd people are being elected presidents all over the world, often with a background in television, see Donald Trump and The Apprentice and so on. But nonetheless, what does it actually say about the mood of the Ukrainian electorate that I think something was it three quarters of them voted for a complete neophyte? Does that suggest a degree of despair and disillusionment? Indeed, it does, Gideon. If we put things in context, we are into a sixth year of war with Russian-backed separatists in the east. Russia, six years ago, annexed Crimea. There's been an incredible amount of economic pain and hardships that the population has felt. And there is not a lot of light at the end of the tunnel in terms of ending the war. Growth rates in terms of the economy have reached 2 to 3% levels in the last several years, following a very deep plunge in 2015 and 16. However, the vote shows that 73% of Ukrainians that voted for Zelensky want a complete break with the establishment. Many average Ukrainians that I spoke to that were casting ballots for Mr. Zelensky were very infuriated with the lingering corruption and corruption scandals around Mr. Poroshenko and his entourage. Many Ukrainians that are young will tell you that it's time for the younger generation to take power and to finally lead this country into a new future. And Mr. Zelensky, at 41 years of age, with no political experience, is seen as a potential person who could usher in that new generation of politicians, as many Ukrainians want to see happen. 
And Ben, I mean, of course, Ukraine a couple of years ago was probably, if not the top, one of the top issues in world affairs because of the fighting in the East and the conflict with Russia, sanctions and all of that. That isn't over by any means. So what does it mean for that conflict and for the broader relationship between Russia and the West? Well, we're not quite sure, I think, what it will mean, because we don't really know what Mr Zelensky will do to try and bring peace and a Russian withdrawal from the east of his country, let alone the restoration of the Crimean Peninsula, which Moscow annexed in 2014. This has on all sorts of other issues. He's a bit of a blank page, Zelensky. He hasn't really said how far he would go or what he would do to bring Vladimir Putin to the negotiating table or how he can galvanise the international community to increase pressure on Moscow. So at the moment, Ukraine has a sort of frozen conflict rumbling along in the east. It's still costing lives and it's still causing immense hardship. And Russia is obviously being subjected to international sanctions because of it. But it's not obvious how we get out from here. The one small possibility or ray of hope is that Moscow might see Zelensky as a fresh face with a new approach who they might try and cut a deal with. But what's been interesting has been in how in recent days, if anything, the Kremlin is turning the heat up on him. He hasn't even taken office yet. But last week they banned coal and oil exports to Ukraine and they've said they're going to offer expedited Russian citizenship to citizens living in these eastern Donbass regions, which seems like a provocation to Kiev. So if anything, Russia is taking an even tougher stance. Yeah. And what do you think the United States and the European Union will want from Mr Zelensky? Because one gets the impression that this is not an issue that's very high up the priority list of Donald Trump. But at the same time, there are these talks going on between the American representative Kurt Volker and the Kremlin about trying to deconflict the situation. If the US or Brussels could write a prescription for what they'd like Zelensky to do, what would it be? I suspect that in simple terms, they would want to see Zelensky as a loyal, dependable, effective president. Somebody who actually follows through on what he says he will follow through on and will not needlessly provoke Vladimir Putin in Russia and can be a partner to trying to engineer some kind of diplomatic solution, which might mean greater autonomy for the East in return for a Russian withdrawal, or at least for Moscow, ending its support for the rebellion in the East. But what happens to Crimea, I think, is another question. I think Zelensky himself has said that only a regime change in Moscow would result in the return of Crimea to Ukrainian sovereignty. Presumably, uh, Roman, although Zelensky came through television, He has attracted, as you said, support from professional politicians. But there's also been some questions about his relationship with Ukrainian oligarchs, haven't there? Yes, indeed. Part of the surge in his popularity, this surfing wave of support with voters, has been due to television backing from a controversial oligarch called Igor Kolomoisky. Mr. Kolomoisky's TV channel, a top TV channel in Ukraine, has been for several years now airing the television series of Mr. Zelensky where he plays the fictional president. In addition, they provided other supportive television coverage. And there are people from Mr. Kolomoisky's entourage that are very close to Mr. Zelensky and have formal and informal roles within his team so far, including a lawyer and a spin doctor. This has raised a lot of concern with Ukraine's Western backers because, of course, the nationalization of Mr. Kolomoisky's bank in 2016 on concerns over a $5.5 billion hole in its balance sheet was a major part of Western-backed reforms 
led by the IMF and its multi-billion dollar bailout for Ukraine. Mr. Kolomoisky has recently been challenging that nationalization through the courts. And if that bank is returned to Mr. Kolomoisky, if Mr. Zelensky allows that to happen, that would derail further cooperation with the IMF. That is not something Ukraine can afford if it is to avoid default because it faces a peak in foreign debt payments this and next year. And the broader picture that I was just discussing with Ben, the relationship with Russia, I mean, the annexation of Crimea is now five years ago. Has there been a sort of grim status quo settled in, which Mr. Zelensky can just let roll? Or does there has to be some sort of effort to change the situation? Recent polls have shown that a majority of Ukrainians, their number one concerns are corruption domestically and the lack of uh, light at the end of the tunnel, the lack of some prospect of peace in the war in Donbass. And Mr. Zelensky, in recent comments upon being elected, as he was voting, in fact, on Sunday, said that two of his top priorities would be in tackling corruption and ending the war. So he does have a lot to deliver there for the voters. It is a huge challenge. It's not something that Ukraine can deliver ending this war without the support of the West. I think that most experts internationally and in Ukraine would tell you that Mr. Zelensky alone, with or without experience, cannot end this conflict. It will largely depend on how much support Ukraine is able to get from the international partners that it has. And that may involve increasing sanctions upon Russia or finding some other carrot to encourage Russia to end this war. And Ben, how do you think the Russians are seeing it? Of course, they're not necessarily going to tell us, but clearly they're not going to return Crimea. But they are, it seems, very eager to get some sort of resumption of a working relationship with the West. How much do you think they might be prepared to give on Ukraine? I think that's a, that's a very difficult question to answer. I don't get the impression right now that Vladimir Putin wants to escalate hostilities with Ukraine. I think he is quite keen, though, to keep choking the Ukrainian economy. And as you've seen by this fuel embargo, for example, I think he's trying to do everything to keep Ukraine in a weaker position. The fact is, though, that the Donbass is costing them heavily in terms of their Western isolation. And it has also done exactly what Vladimir Putin did not want to do, which was rather than maintain Russian influence and the affections of the Ukrainian people for Russia, he's done exactly the opposite. He's actually managed to unite the Ukrainian people against Moscow, which is really a dreadful piece of foreign policy. And obviously with tragic consequences for the people of the East. And a last curious but to me, interesting point. I mean, Roman, a lot of, as you know, Russian propaganda against Ukraine has to be portrayed the country as the heirs to sort of semi-fascists of the 1930s as an anti-Semitic country. And yet it turns out that the new president is Jewish, as is the current prime minister. Yes, that's true. And that pretty much, as rabbis here in Kiev will tell you, that shatters the Russian propaganda narrative that the Russians have been projecting since the Maidan revolution of 2014, where they described Ukraine as being taken over by a fascist, anti-Semitic, junta, coup d'etat style takeover. Research by the Pew Group has shown that, in fact, Ukraine has some of the lowest anti-Semitism in the region, in some cases, a third of neighboring countries within the European Union. And the premiership of Mr. Groisman, the prime minister, his Jewish roots have been not an issue for Ukrainians. It hasn't been raised. And during this election, the Jewish roots of Mr. Zelensky have barely been raised by anyone. 
it's just not an issue. I think that this election and rabbis in Ukraine are saying that it shows that the Russian propaganda has been completely baseless and empty and that the society here is very tolerant and just keen to become a part of the West and to live in a democracy as opposed to an autocracy and dictatorship where there is prosperity and rule of law. Okay, well, on that note, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much to Roman in Kiev, to Ben here in the studio in London. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.